The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Welcome to Straight Talk, Clear Decisions with Rick Saylor and co-host Eric Hamburg. As an investor, you should know what you're buying and what you're really holding. We'll demystify investing and lay it all out for you in easy-to-understand terms. Now, here's Rick and Eric. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Well, good Friday morning. I'm Rick, and we are your Transparent Wealth Management hosts. Welcome to the show. Eric is actually out at a funeral uh, this week, so I'm doing the show solo. We do have some guests, which I'll mention a little later on. But uh, I have some good information here. We're you know enjoying the summer. I hope you are, too. We've had our summer series with the financial plan, and uh, if you don't have one, getting that in order. And if you haven't revisited that, uh, now's a good time to do that. So we're going to cover, kind of recap a lot of the things that uh, we've done over the summer here so far, um, and then kind of move forward. We've got a special guest here and our topic of charitable giving and gifting. And I know that's a question that comes up to a lot of baby boomers in their planning about whether they can really afford to give away at this point in their lives, or if they're going to need to keep more of that for themselves. And uh, this is the guests today are from the Cincinnati and Hamilton Hospice. And this is, uh, it's near and dear to my heart. Monday marked the 11th anniversary of my father's passing, and he was in hospice. I uh, still miss him to this day. He was a great man and a veteran, which reminds me uh, of the visit that Eric. Hamburg is making uh, this week uh, down in Alabama, I believe, where his wife Autumn, her grandfather, had, was a was one of the last remaining soldiers from the Battle of the Bulge, and so he's gone down there for a special event, and that's that should be special. So um, again, a lot of those uh, those good things and good people that make our country what it is, and and. Eric's down there celebrating that, and uh, we remember both his uh, his grandfather and uh, him as we take today's show. So, a couple of things I need to cover. Uh, you know, in a you know the holistic transparent wealth management model is is one that we adhere to personally and advocate. Really, whether you do this with us or you do it wherever you're doing it, that you're looking, working with somebody who does an end-to-end process. And I think of that a lot like the way that Steve Jobs created Apple. And that thought to mitigate the dysfunction between the parts in that IT world, I guess. And we've done that same thing in the financial world. And when I think about that, you know, really the four pillars or pieces of our industry involve investing taxes, insurances, and protection in estate planning. So from an investment standpoint, 
working with somebody who both does fee-based or commission-based is really, in my opinion, the, the best kind of approach because you've got somebody that has a, a lower conflict of interest kind of scenario, and they're more focused on the solution rather than trying to sell you some product or advisory services or whatever. And I'm really not sure that I really understand that age-old uh, you know, combative situation that goes back and forth about whether you should be fee-based or commission-based. You know, it should be solution-based is what it should be. So if somebody is either one or the other, then they're taking a whole, you know, half of the pie out of the equation and their ability to be able to solve your challenges financially. So we do both. We're registered investment advisors and we also, which is fee-based, and it doesn't matter where your money is, whether it's on a, what platform we call it, if it's on a 401k or it's a 403b or whatever, or you're in a private account, we can do both sides of those and advise those for a reasonable fee. Uh, the second one, though, if you, you need a, a product type of solution, there may be a commission involved. You know, my point is know with transparent wealth management, know what you're buying, what you're paying for, and what it's going to do for you. And if it doesn't make sense for that, then don't do it. So the second piece I think about is tax efficiency and tax efficient investing. Don't pay more than you absolutely have to, of course. And, you know, if you can cut your, uh, increase your net by reducing the amount that you have to pay, then that's a tax efficient return. And with the average, uh, let's just say the national average is about 97% of the effective tax rate, which is what people actually pay, not the marginal rate you hear so much about, which is the, you know, the 10, the 15, 25, 32, 39 um, kind of tax rates. Those are marginal rates, but there's kind of an effective blend that comes out out of that overall tax rate, which a tax person can tell you. And I think 97% of the country is in about a 12% effective tax rate or less. So, when I'm thinking of that, if we could get a higher net just by simply not paying taxes, uh, then planning is what that's about. We partner with tax planning professionals as well as preparation to help you keep a higher net in your investments, and that's that makes a lot of sense. Particularly in this uh, day and age, I think the, the current administration in Washington uh, has in, implemented 433 new taxes. So if you felt that sting this last spring, that's probably what it came from. And you may want to get a checkup there. The third area is risk management. And I think of that as in the world of insurances. You know, no, don't pay more in insurance, or I should say only buy insurance for that which you don't want to write a check for. So be aware and know what you're at risk for. You know, as a, a high net worth kind of person, um, or really at every stage, and buy insurance, which you, A, don't want to write a check for that claim should that happen, or B, or you're not able So I think of the areas of life insurance, of long-term care, both uh, traditional long-term care and the new long-term care. I think of health insurances, social or Medicare planning. I think of disability. We have partners that we work with to help you make sure you've got the right coverages and you're paying a fair amount for that. And I think that's key because, again, that plays into the overall equation from a risk standpoint as well as from a cost standpoint. The last one, but not the least, is certainly estate planning. 
Now, last week, that was actually the topic of our show. We were talking about estate planning and your financial plan. So why would that uh, be important? Well, making sure that what you've accumulated during your lifetime is going to go where you want it to go and not to courts, attorneys, and, and some hospital. Uh, you know, or doctors or whatever into the system. So in order to accommodate that, you know, there's some basic planning that can be done. And we talked about that in last week's show. If you didn't catch that, you can can catch that on Voice America, or you can go onto our website, straighttalkcleardecisions.com, and see the video. So there, uh, there are usually free items that we're offering in there to help you better assess your situation. And again, the summer series has been on this entire process of a financial plan and understanding your situation personally. So for example, two of the biggest concerns really that in a recent poll showed uh, last spring that baby boomers were most concerned, number one, without living their money. And number two, I think that was 69%. The, the second layer uh, or idea was that uh, they would incur a medical expenditure that they couldn't pay for, could wipe them out or put them at risk financially. And that was 63%. So there is some validity to those concerns, certainly, because as we live longer lives, the odds that we're going to have a, a major kind of expense, particularly if we're married, you know, with you or a spouse, then the chances are, are essentially doubled and not be able to pay that that could wreak havoc on your retirement. So just planning for that, knowing what, let's say, the landmines are and navigating far enough back here so that the adjustments are not as severe. The longer you wait to plan for this, um, these kind of potential uh, risks, uh, then the greater the impact at the point that it occurs. So having the foresight, having the insight to have the foresight and look at it in advance and having the tools to be able to navigate that is, I think, uh, well worth and well thought out. So as we kind of think about, I'm going to do a quick recap here of what what's happened over the summer. So we started with a basic financial plan of looking at what goes into a financial plan. And if this question is, is many of us are approaching retirement in the pre-retirement or even even as important, if not more importantly, when you're in retirement, being able to continue to navigate and to monitor uh, your situation and your circumstance in real time. So when I look at the inputs into a financial plan, you're essentially looking at uh, your current financial situation is one of the inputs. So that could be uh, made up of what you're investing in and what your actual rate of return is. Uh, It will be made up of your vision, values, and goals. Uh, It'll be your budget will be in there. So, and that's looking at the money coming in, the money going out. Um, Looking at what your tax situation is and what impact that's going to have on your situation. And I, I know we hear a lot of general ideas, but Again, having this specific to you and what you're actually experiencing into a financial plan that is both uh, integrated and dynamic. Now, what does that mean? It means it's pulling feeds off the market and updating. It has the ability to be updated because we're going to have to test these ideas, these, you know, how you see in terms of your vision, values, and goals is your personal story. It's like your personal financial GPS. So 
as you see the way that you want your life to look in retirement, that should be reflected into the financial plan. So you may rank, for example, when you listen to that segment, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is gifting, for example, that you're going to leave a legacy to your heirs? Well, if you rank that as a 10, an 8, 9, or 10, then that's important. That's a need. If you're below that, it falls into a middle range, you know, uh, let's say of a want. If it's in that second tier, if it's in the bottom tier, it's a wish. You know, if it happens, it happens. So depending on how you personally rank that will impact in your estate planning how likely that that will happen. Uh, and again, you can dial in the amounts that you want uh, in that particular component, and it will reflect that in your overall plan. Ultimately, when we get to the last portion after we've had your inputs of your budget inflows, inflows and outflows, we have your current financial situation, rate of return that you're, you're taking and the risk you're taking. Um, and then we uh, impact that. We look at your, your, your wishes and everything else and, and then test that against inflation, against taxes, against volatility in the market over the last 30 years and 10,000 combinations. It's going to spit out like a speedometer reading in the financial plan, you're going to be able to simply be able to see if your probability, your likelihood of success or failure is you're likely on track or you're off track and you have to make changes. So if you rank somewhere between 75 and 79, then you're in the positive likely scenario. If you're falling below that, it's going to go from anywhere from 74 to 40 on that speedometer. It's essentially going to uh, be in failure. So you know there are changes you have to make. And as you go in and do these changes yourself, uh, we're giving you access to our Money Guide program, uh, Pro, which is a financial version. And you can make these inputs, and then you can see. And we'd love you to share that with us. Uh, you know, Call us at 513-454-9999 or send us info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com your success stories. Tell us, hey, I, I put this in there and I did this strategy. I changed, you know, to a Roth. I changed something in terms of what I was doing as a tool or a tactic, and it actually made me more successful. Now, what if you're not, what if you're not being successful in that? Well, there's really only five things you've got to work with. Uh, you can work longer. You can save more. You can take more investment risk. You can cut your standard of living in retirement, or you can reduce the amount of the legacy or the estate you're going to leave to your heirs. So those are really the only five pieces in the equation you've got to work with to make corrections. But the sooner we realize that, the sooner we implement that, the better off we are. A couple disclosures here I want to get into uh, and mention. I should mention that anything that uh, we talk about here is the program is for entertainment and, and uh, information purposes. It is not considered or let's say it's not intended to be advice for you personally. You should always seek the advice of professional financial people. Uh, as tax people, we're not, uh, we don't give tax or legal advice and, uh, and or real estate people. So that's important. Nobody has a crystal ball and the opinions that uh, are expressed today are merely ours at Rick Saylor Financial. They're not of our broker dealer. NPC, uh, National Planning Corporation, 
they are our personal uh, our personal ones. And again, being able to predict the future, if we could do that, we wouldn't have a show. We would have an island or a planet. So uh, you would keep that in, in mind. So uh, also, we do sometimes make forward-looking statements, um, you know, because we use demographics in our practice, which you will hear us mention time to time if you've been listening to our other shows. And, uh, of course, again, nobody can predict the future. So contacting us here uh, at, if you got a live question, 866-472-5790. Justin can get you on the air in the last segment. Uh, or contact us again. If you haven't accessed the financial plan, access it at, uh, send us information. Your email address is all we need, info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. Absolutely free. We will send you the uh, the link for you to go into the program uh, to actually do your inputs. We'll also send you a short questionnaire so you can get that in line and do those inputs. And if you'd like to you know, have questions about it as you're inputting it, certainly those are the same contact places that you can call us 24-7. That's more convenient uh, at 513-454-9999. So in this next, the next two segments of the show, we're going to be talking about with, with our hosts uh, or I'm sorry, with our guest, Sandra Lobert, who is the president and CEO from Hospice of Hamilton in Cincinnati, and Sarah Elmendorf, uh, who is a senior account executive at the Hamilton, Ohio branch. And I had the, I've had the wondrous, just, uh, just really life-changing for me when my father was passing that I've been able to work with hospice. I've now recently been accepted as a board member onto there and serving there. So we're going to dig down on what hospice is, what they're about, you know, dispelling the misnomers and a lot of misinformation about what hospice is uh, because they actually help with both my father's uh, terminal illness and my mother who was not terminally ill. So we're going to get down into that and talk about how that this may be just to be aware of how that hospice works, what they work with, what they can do for you because I know for me personally that this was, uh, I don't know what I would have done without hospice. And it's just a great, great organization, and I support it. We're going to talk about in the final segment how that we, uh, different ways that we can uh, help raise funds for them, raise awareness and everything else, which I, you know, support every year. Well, you're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your hosts, Rick Saylor and Eric Hamburg. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate. And without, well, don't worry about it. The government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away. That might not be any fun. You may need it. Or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing 
for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives? Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care, and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans' benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet, and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living, and at the end of her life, two years later, it was over $8,000. The three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me, the premiums can never go up, and oh yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die, if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Money is an awesome thing If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings You're with the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your hosts Rick Saylor and Eric Hamburg who, of course, is on uh, leave at a funeral but um, we're filling in for him today. And we've had this summer topic going of a financial plan and we're in our last segment last week. If you didn't catch that, you want to go want to go back and listen to that on estate planning and your financial plan because that really dovetails into today's topic of gifting. And really, the question that comes up more often than I think anything is: is can baby boomers and their planning really afford to give away? Now, one of the things that you know we hear today, you know, particularly with you know, the baby boomers is, is the strains between what they call the sandwich generation. And that's a generation that's caught between the demands of their children and their aging parents. And, you know, while the children can strain, they, they typically are the ones straining the pocketbooks, you know, generally the, the consensus is that aging parents don't. And there are exceptions to that rule. But I think one of the things that when you look at the statistics, and we know that uh, what statistics are, are great for, but it gives us of the households with at least one member age 50 above reported receiving cash transfers. And as opposed to while 45% of older households reported giving away their money. So that's a good contrast in terms of looking at that. But I think the biggest thing for baby boomers, when we start to look at what the potential risks are to your overall success of not outliving your money, the statement is made here that is certainly true is that pre-retirees are more at risk of jeopardizing their nest egg than those already in retirement who are giving cash to relatives. So people who are still saving and investing for the retirement often don't appreciate the magnitude of their future retirement needs. So I think that's a, that's a statement taken from an article here that I, was the, the whole thing was don't be too generous with your retirement cash. And with that thought in mind, we're going to move into this segment of the show. As I mentioned, that we've got a couple uh, guests on our show today. We have Sandra Lobert, who is president and CEO of Hospice of Cincinnati, and also Sarah Elmendorf, who is head of the senior account executives. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. So this is um, 
you know, I've talked about this so many times. Uh, again, Monday was the mark, the 11th anniversary of my father's passing. Um, I still miss him. Uh, and, and, but I think, as we've had conversations, I think about how near and dear hospice became to me because what a godsend that the organization, the angels of God is the only way that I know how to describe the organization. And everybody that I encounter really has that same sentiment. And virtually seems like everybody, Sandra, that's in the organization has experienced a loss and personally hospice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so kind of you to say that. And we are so honored to do what we do and to go out and care for people in such a sensitive and important time. We care for most people in their home. And we can talk more about specifics, but in general, we try to make the experience better. And we try to help family members be comfortable and connect and try to help the loved one be comfortable when they die. And it's, it's very sensitive work, and we're honored to do it. And our caregivers, you're right, they are truly angels. They are. I, I just think back to my personal experience and stories that I've heard, Sarah, from so many people um, who have been touched by that. And, and you know, sometimes it, it seems to come up maybe that, you know, that people feel like that maybe if they're, if they're engaging hospice, that they're giving up. We hear that a lot. And, you know, our message is really that it's not giving up, but it's speaking up and taking control over what's going to happen to you in your final weeks and months. And um, we're such a death-denying society. And one of the biggest things that we hear from families is they wish they would have used our services sooner than they did. And our message is really for people to speak up and talk about what it is that they want and get the care that's going to be best for them, which can be a huge help to the individual and also to the family as well. So tell us a little bit about what you say, you know, the, the, the services. Now, I know I, what I personally experienced. It was very different between my mother and my father. My dad, on the other, uh, on one hand, had, uh, had renal cell cancer. And it was a, they both came into the home and offered services and supported my mom caring for my dad. Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that. And then also, ultimately, he was in um, uh, both Hamilton and Cincinnati, which really, mm-hmm. you know, are part of the same chapter mm-hmm. uh, and under your, your watch. And I saw that care where that was the care facility and also versus the, the care I was getting outside of that. Now, that was very different from what my mother got, who was not terminally ill, mm-hmm. but had signed a do not resuscitate, mm-hmm. and hopped into the facility where my mother was, and was a second set of eyes mm-hmm. to help me kind of keep tab my mom. So talk a little bit, if you would, about what those services and, and kind of what hospice offers. Sure. And um, again, hospice is a six-month benefit, so ideally people sign in um, in time for us to really provide the most care. Um, To qualify is a little bit of an unusual term. You need to have a doctor certify that whatever illness you have, if it takes its normal course, might be expected to take your life within six months. But most of the services, the vast majority that we provide are in the home. Uh, We send in nurses, um, personal care aides, chaplains, social workers, and the model is really holistic to take care of the family and the patient. We have real specialists in terms of our doctors 
and nurses, and everybody understands that you want the best specialist for your cancer or for your heart. Our doctors and nurses are specialists with the relatively acute symptoms that can happen at the end of life. And once we get the person more comfortable, which is so important to everybody, they might have pain or shortness of breath, and we manage that, then we really focus on having the experience be as meaningful and as comfortable as it can be. And um, again, we have nurses that come in and visit the home on a regular basis. We talk to the family about what to expect. That's something else that's really, really important is having information. It can be so scary if your loved one is ill and something changes and they're having problems. But we really try to help the families know this is what's going to happen, this is normal, and um, take care of them from that standpoint. If somebody gets so acute that they um, were having a hard time keeping them comfortable at home, then we have our four inpatient care centers, and you mentioned two of them. Hospice of Cincinnati is unique in that, and then we can talk a little bit about that later. But the model is that if the, if the symptoms are too acute to manage at home, the patients can come into one of our centers and be kept comfortable. And one of the things that we know is that, you know, 80 to 90 percent of people say they'd rather not die in the hospital, but yet well over 50 percent do. And that's one of the great things about the hospice model is that they can help people be comfortable without being hospitalized. One other thing I do want to mention that a lot of people don't realize is that, um, we can come out really even in the middle of the night. You know, without hospice care, if somebody has a crisis at home, they're having a big problem, their only option is to call 911 and go to the hospital. But in addition to our nurses caring for patients, we can help people overnight. We have people available on the phone to talk about medications or even to make visits. So it's it's a very all-encompassing service that can make a big difference for people. And I know that I experienced that, and of course... Uh my dear friend and, and client of mine, Debbie Hellenstein, Sarah was uh, was your predecessor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a pretty big shoes to fill. But I think just the awareness of knowing what the services are, what's available, what hospice really is, uh, you know, and I think a lot of this misnomer, you know, I think about this, the question that comes up, am, am I, and we kind of address that, are you conceding that somebody's going to pass away? I know I personally, with my father, when my father had cancer and they said well uh, he saw he finally saw an osteopath and in um, uh, and they said you know no uh, you you know you've got this much time to live and, and here's a possible treatment uh, and you know you've got maybe a 95 percent chance that this one treatment which was at Ohio State University uh, you know and there's only a five percent this will work and my dad I had the hardest time when he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But when he knew all the, the possible implications and the complications and what the symptoms and the, you know, the side effects were going to be, he just said, I'm not doing it. So I think it was much harder for me and maybe for us as individuals when our loved ones are in that situation and they're going through this and we're going through it with them. You know, but to be, able to, to be able to accept that. And so you know, the question comes up, Sandra, does enrolling a patient in hospice care impact how soon they're going to die? Uh, that's a great question, and 
if anything, it might extend a person's life. You know, some people think that since many people who are enrolled uh, die close after enrollment, that hospice has something to do with that. Really, it's just the disease that dictates whether, you know, when someone is going to die. But studies have shown that people in hospice care, on average, live 29 days longer. And with certain diseases like heart failure, the difference is even longer than that. And I think part of the reason is uh, the focus on comfort, the focus on quality. You know, you brought up how hard it was for you when your father didn't want to take that chance on that last treatment. And I think the best example of that is chemotherapy, that um, so often the very last-minute chemotherapy certainly might not be helpful, but also might be harmful to the patient with uh, the side effects that come along with chemotherapy. We have a lot of family members that maybe the patient really would rather not do it, but they do it for their loved ones. But if they stop really focusing on that treatment that at this point is not going to cure the disease, this happens when the disease is to the point where there's nothing else that medical science can do to treat it. And they focus on being comfortable and spending time with their loved ones and enjoying their garden or their pets or their life. It's amazing how often people might rally and actually, I think, live a little bit longer. You know, I was just thinking as you were speaking there, Sandra, it was actually, it wasn't my father's osteopath, it was his oncologist, because I was his cancer doctor. But Sarah, you're, um, you kind of, tell a little bit about what you do at hospice. What I do at hospice is I provide a lot of education to the community and help create awareness about what we do. Our mission is to provide the best end-of-life experience to everyone in our community, and and I have a passion for helping people become aware of that. And that's why I work for Hospice of Cincinnati. I've also had a personal experience with it in the home. When hospice came in, you know, they brought the medical equipment. It was all, you know, for my grandparents, it was all covered by Medicare, Medicaid. And that, that was such help for our family that I think seeing it, experiencing hospice in my personal life helped me become an advocate and, and really help. I want to help educate what we do. You know, and I had that same experience, and I think sometimes that is a, a, a an inhibitor to people to contact hospice because they're concerned about, you know, what what expenses. And now, actually, as I found out, the great majority of patients and families incur little or no out of pocket. Yes. So, and, and I had that same experience with my parents, which caused me again to want to support. You know, I think it was the very first year that I took part we'll talk about in the last segment of the show about all these fundraising opportunities but you know going out and and again what debbie had had kept me debbie hounstein had kept me in the loop and let me know what services are provided and what it can do uh can really alleviate both the emotional and mental stresses you know that are already complicated by a terminal illness you know and that's enough to go through uh, I remember them coming in, as you mentioned, the, the services into the home and them setting up a, a bed that was, you know, reclining and everything else for my father and right there in the living room, you know, and then eventually, you know, when he was in and out of the, the inpatient services. 
So I think a question here, Sandra, when, when is the right time for hospice? Mm. That is a great question, and it's such a hard decision to make. But uh, sometimes we talk about the surprise question, and we say, would you be surprised if this person would die within the next six months? And that's a, that's a non-medical question, certainly. But if the answer to that is, no, I really wouldn't be surprised, then that's a time to think about it. The other thing is when there's really no medical treatment that can impact the disease. And so often, as I said, people come in at the very, very end, and it's challenging for us to do everything that we can do for the families if we only have a couple days. You brought up kind of payment. You both brought up services. And one thing I just want to be sure is clear, uh, hospice is a benefit that's paid for under Medicare and Medicaid and most private insurances. Now, we offer a lot of extra things that I think we'll talk about in the future. But um, the medicine, all the medicine is paid for, all the medical equipment, as you mentioned, all the services come to the home. You know, every now and then we have somebody, we call them a graduate, that they do better and they no longer are eligible for hospice. And once they have us, they don't want to see us go. But it's a really good, all-encompassing benefit. Well, and again, I know that I've, uh, I've experienced that personally. You know, when I think about Hospice of Cincinnati, and, and again, we're going to talk about a little bit more of, of some of the uniqueness of Hospice of Cincinnati versus, like, say, the national, you know, VTOS, which we were talking about. I had a friend at work for that. But tell us just a little more in, in the end of this segment. Uh, we just got a few minutes about what the, kind of what Hospice of Cincinnati, kind of your bio well, we're um, one of the fourth. We're about the fourth oldest hospice in the nation, and we're one of the first in the state to do dedicated inpatient centers. And so many of our services are extra. They aren't required by Medicare. The fact that we operate four inpatient centers really makes us different. We do a lot of holistic services pet therapy, music therapy, massage therapy, things that go above and beyond. And one of the biggest differentiators with Hospice of Cincinnati is our focus on grief services. It's meaningful to you that this is the 10-year anniversary of your father's death. And so many people really struggle with grief afterwards. We have the Goldstein Family Hospice of Cincinnati and Fernside Grief Center that we can offer services to adults and children. Fernside is a special uh program that offers grief services to children. Children have been called the silent grievers. They lose a parent or a sibling. And what we do makes such a difference in people's lives, and we do that all out of our mission. So there are a lot of extra services that we offer as, as the really the only not-for-profit hospice serving the broad community. And that's, that's kind of who we are. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, on this note, in the last part of the segment, we're going to talk about a little more about hospice, but if you've got a question for Sandra or for myself, you can call us live at 866-472-5790, and uh, Justin will get you on the air. Or if you want to email us, email us at info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com, and we'll get that question and, and try to address that. If you, uh, 24-7, you can call and and get our, uh, our answering uh, group that uh, will take your question, and this will not be answered on the air, but 513-454-9999. And if you haven't taken advantage of the free offer to do a financial plan, you know, this is a program that we probably pay over $10,000 for. Uh, and normally when we're doing these financial plans for folks, it's probably, we charge at least $500 to do it. 
absolutely complimentary. We want you to see where you're at. We want to be part of the solution if we can help you. But all you have to do is just send us your email address. We'll get you on there. And then you can send us questions. You do the inputs. And then uh, really it'll save us both time. And then if we can offer you some solutions to help you fix whatever your challenges are, we'd love to be part of that. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we're going to continue on in the next segment of the show. We're going to talk about, again, uh, charitable opportunities with um, Hospice of Cincinnati. And uh, again, we have our, our guests with us here, Sandra Lobert and Sarah Elmendorf. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense hosts, Rick Saylor and Eric Amberg. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives? Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care, and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans' benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living, and at the end of her life, two years later, it was over $8,000. The three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me. The premiums can never go up. And, oh, yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate, and without, well, don't worry about it, the government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are, number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away. That might not be any fun. You may need it. Or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense hosts, Rick Saylor and Eric Amber. Of course, Eric's away today at a funeral, so... Uh, Appreciate you joining us today. And in the summer series, we've been talking about a financial plan and assessing your financial viability and being able to not outlive your money, uh, which is obviously not a pleasant surprise if you find out that you are living longer than your money is. So one of the questions that comes up invariably 
in gifting is, you know, how much can you gift away and what are the rules with regards to that? Well, you know, there for 2015, you can gift away up to $14,000 per individual. So if you're a couple, you can give up to $28,000 a person uh, or per couple per individual to as many people, individuals. It doesn't have to be just your family. It can be friends. It can be charities. It can be all sorts of things. Now, sometimes this question comes up. If I gift more than that in, in, uh, to a person in a year, and again, I'm not giving tax advice here, just giving you the general guidelines, that simply what happens is that it reduces the amount and on the federal estate side, which is um, around, I had this number here somewhere, it's at about uh, $5.43 million, I believe, this year. So for a couple, you just double that if that exemption is not used. So you say, well, what does that mean? Well, if you gift over that, and let's say you give $20,000, whether you have $6,000 is coming off that number. Nobody is taxed on that, from our understanding. You may want to check with your CPA or tax person, but uh, and, and usually not even a, maybe there's a gift gifting form that has to be filed, but no taxes due on either side of that. So when we think about charitable gifting, uh, I don't, I think the main thing is to find out, hey, can you do this and still stay afloat? I think that's the biggest concern because if, if, you know, 69% of baby boomers are concerned about outliving their money, you know, then this would be a thing where that, an item that would be of paramount concern if you you know, are you able to give this away? Now, one of the, I'd like to take credit for this, and I certainly can't where I didn't come up with these things, but, you know, one of the greatest things I've heard in my 32 plus years of, of, of financial planning and working with a lot of you and hearing your stories and helping your story become more successful is do your giving while you're living. That way you're knowing where it's going. And I think about that with gifting to, to family, to charities, um, so many different things. And again, you know, I was just recently honored to be accepted onto the board of Hospice of Cincinnati and uh, making what contributions I can there. And it's just begun. And, and Sarah, I'm, I'm really honored to be part of that. And I know we got a meeting coming up here. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I think giving back, paying forward to the charities. And, and you may pick any charity. You know, maybe a different one for you, but to find one, be a part of that. So in this segment of the show, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is gifting. Now, some general guidelines, typically it's best not to gift IRAs from a financial planner standpoint, simply because when you give to a non-living entity, the tax is due. So if you, all that mortgage, so to speak, that is on top of your IRA, what I mean is the tax liability. So if you have a million dollars, and the tax liability is 600000 bucks. you really don't have a million dollars. Because if all that tax comes due and, and it gets hit with income tax, with possibly uh, federal inheritance tax, if you exceed the $5.43 million, or if you uh, are in a state that has a death tax. Now, Ohio, which we're based in, does not. That, that was removed January 1st of 2013. So we do not have a death tax in the state of Ohio any longer. But you may you know, where you're hearing us today. So consider that when you're looking at your gifting. But typically IRAs are not the ideal tool to, to be giving away. That's better to be kept in the family and to stretch out payments. Uh, and there's a tool that you can do that where you minimize in legacy planning. Uh, you know, a good idea is to give away appreciated assets. You can give these to charities. 
And uh, so you just gift the stock or whatever it is in its present form. You get a deduction. And again, you're going to check with a tax person, uh, but you get a deduction for the full value and you're not paying income tax in the charity. If it's a 501c3 or you know, tax-exempt organization, then the taxes are avoided. Uh, the rule of gifting away out of IRAs, your required minimum distributions, I believe in 2014, were still applicable. And I'm going off memory here, which is not serving me well. Uh, because I know that Congress waits till the last minute every year to to decide whether they're going to approve that or or not approve it. So if you just direct your con your required minimum distribution being when you reach seventy and a half and beyond, you have IRAs, four hundred one k's, deferred comp, pension rollovers. You have to take a required minimum distribution or have a fifty percent tax on what you should have taken. So when you direct those right to a charity, say like Hospice of Cincinnati then in a qualifying uh, uh, charity, you do not have to take that number one nor pay tax on it. So that's another one to, to consider. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've seen from paying either, let's say, long-term care expenses that are not covered under Medicaid, uh, you know, the new life insurance long-term care kind of features are, are, and we don't have time to go into that. That was uh, several segments ago that we talked about that in planning. So that kind of idea is that you can buy a life insurance policy and be your own beneficiary. So if you're critically, chronically, or terminally ill, you can spend down the death benefit before you die. And the consolation prize is if you don't use it, you can name a beneficiary that can receive that death payout tax-free. So for example, I bought one of these a few years ago. The partners recommended it for me. I bought a million-dollar policy. And there are triggering events, what they call, to activities of daily living. We won't go into that. But, uh, you know, if I experience those, then I can start spending the million dollars. If I just die, I could have part of that money go tax-free to hospice or whatever charity I name. And it doesn't, or to my family or loved ones. So, again, utilizing life insurance is a great way to benefit that these uh, these charities and uh, organizations that have been near and dear to you during your life and to your family. So, um, again, we want to get back into this and specifically with, uh, with Sandra and Sarah on some of the great gifting opportunities. Now, before I do that, there's a couple of the things I want to touch on is when we look at highlighting the charitable giving and hospice funding, you know, how specifically, Sandra, is gifting going to help giving to Hospice of Cincinnati? Well, we could not do everything that we do without donations. Um, and a lot of the services that I mentioned before, again, we couldn't provide them unless we had generous people supporting us. We um, provide close to a million dollars a year in charity care, and it's always been a really important value of Hospice of Cincinnati to care for people, even if they might not have insurance coverage. Again, a lot of the extra services that we provide, the holistic care, we have more volunteers than what would be required. All the grief services, the inpatient centers, we just could not do that without donations. And, you know, one recent example, which is on the different end of the scale, we recently renovated our Blue Ash Center, our Blue Ash Inpatient Center, and we had a campaign for donations in the community. And one of our main donors has that exact philosophy that you mentioned, that he wants to give it away while he's alive so that he can enjoy it, he can feel good about it, and he made a naming gift for our center. So the community was so generous. And again, we 
could not have done that without the charitable donations. So while I'm thinking about this, Sarah, is there some contact information for Hospice of Cincinnati? Absolutely. If you visit hospiceofcincinnati.org, you can find all of the information we talked about today on our website. So good. And I know there's a lot of things here in terms of, uh, again, and it's not just, you know, you give you your time and your talent, your treasure. So, I mean, I know hospice is also looking not just for monetary donations, but for, you know, people's hearts and their their hands to come in and... Volunteer and help us out. Absolutely, because yeah. I know yeah. how much of what... There certainly are, are paid professionals in hospice like any organization, but um, again, a lot of that, the heart and soul of hospice is, is, is about volunteerism. We have um, roughly 500 employees, and we also have just about 500 volunteers. And again, we could not do everything that we do without that. And that's just in the Cincinnati area. It's Cincinnati and Hamilton. Yes. All combined, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, boy, that's just just a great message, and it's a great story. You know... One of the things that we want to touch on in, in the last few minutes here, Sandra, we talked about this, you know, a conversations of a lifetime, you know, and, and tell us a little bit about that in terms of what that's comprised of, what the purpose and focus is, and, uh, and how people can be part of that. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, one of the biggest things that I think I mentioned before is that people so often don't talk about their end-of-life wishes, might not recognize that they have a terminal illness. It's very difficult sometimes for doctors to communicate to patients that they're terminal. So Hospice of Cincinnati got a large grant to help change that dynamic in our community. And it has four primary components, and one of the first one was actual physician coaching on having end-of-life conversations. The doctors themselves say they've never been trained on this. And we had a custom curriculum developed to coach the doctors, and we had, we've had we coached so far over 160 docs, and they've 95% of them rated it very good or excellent, and they said they would use that in their conversations with patients. We did some enhancements with the uh, medical record in our system so that we could capture advanced directives. We trained uh, what we call advanced care planning facilitators to help individuals, <clears throat> pardon me, After the doctor delivers the news, there's a lot of questions, there's emotion, and there's paperwork to be done, and most importantly, decisions to be made. So we help people reach those decisions, and then our big message is talk to your loved ones and communicate what what your wishes are, and that can help everybody. The website is conversationsofalifetime.org, and we encourage everybody to think about what they want and talk about it with their doctor and their loved ones. Well, that's great information, Sandra. And, uh, you know, again, as I think about this in the overall planning, there's certainly a couple segments that this, areas that this touches, and there's certainly the financial aspect of it, but there's always that, that emotional, um, and, and what I want to say, the spiritual, the, I remember, and in, in, again, dealing with this with both of my parents, especially with my father, that that was so meaningful, and, and having these conversations, knowing, having the knowledge, Sarah, and knowing what you know, how that you can, what, what tools and, and things are available within, you know, hospice is just absolutely priceless. A uh, couple things here. we got fundraising events that are coming up here. Uh, quickly, we've got uh, August 15th, we've got Gourmet Melodies, and I know that's downtown Cincinnati. It's a food and music event. We've got September the 19th, the Hamilton Hike for Hospice, and I know that's over in Hamilton. Again, you can find that on the website. 
Uh, October the 3rd, it's going to be a, a Blue Ash, the hike for Hospice Cincinnati, and it's the, at the, uh, formerly at the old airport, and there's a 5K run that goes with that one. Uh, I think it's a... Summit it's, Park. Yes. And um, so, I mean, those are all events you can get involved with, be part of. So log on in, uh, to straighttalkcleardecisions.com. You can get our e-newsletter. Stay in tune. There's a, there's a view there. It's a great, uh, great resource for, for you to go in there. The video eventually of our program today will be available. You'll be able to see that as well as hear podcasts on Voice America uh, on there and, and get these components again. Take advantage of that. Get into your financial plan. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rick. Sandra very and Sarah much. for joining yes. us today. And yeah. thank you for the, the wonderful work you're doing. You've been listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense hosts, Rick Saylor and Eric Amber. Thanks. your life.